The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Let's get to our guest now, Vishnu Varathan, as Head of Economics and Strategy at Mizuhu Bank, joining us on the line from Singapore. Let's start with what we're seeing in the oil market, a little bit more steady movement after plunging almost 6% on that demand picture, and of course, the strength that we are seeing in the dollar. I mean, when you look at the hawkish central bank tones that we're getting, the lockdowns in China, what is the picture for the crude market? Well, it does look like crude prices uh, will be most sensitive uh, to any demand cues that come through like we saw overnight. Uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, uh, absent any fresh demand cues to the downside particularly, uh, what I think would come about from the uh, crude market is uh, price stickiness on the way down. So while we see other commodities uh, softening a lot more, oil could turn out to be a lot stickier, uh, primarily because of the geopolitical backdrop, uh, as well as uh, moves by the OPEC plus uh, very, very strongly suggesting uh, that they would take action to backstop, including uh, if an Iran deal comes through. Uh, so these, uh, you know, these these uh, indicators of, of the crude market uh, suggest to us that uh, the, the the stickier prices are now. Uh, the more violent corrections and dislocations can be further out. A lot of the stickiness, as you say, coming into the commodities market and, and driving up these price pressures. What do you think we're going to hear from Jay Powell in terms of, I guess, trying to uh, halt some of these higher prices? And I guess that the likelihood that we're going to see a dovish pivot is is very, very slim. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm inclined to think so. For, for most of markets that have been used to, uh, you know, either for the more extreme perceptions, uh, double speak from, from Powell or... Uh, for the more measured ones, uh, the, you know, tempered statements. Jackson Hole was a bit of a revelation because it didn't mince words, uh, unequivocal in, in every sense. I, I think it makes sense that, you know, commentary from Jay Powell will be quite consistent with what we saw at Jackson Hole. Uh, and, and I think the emphasis will be on two things. One is the job is not done yet, uh, even if uh, inflation starts decelerating, simply given how much higher inflation is above ideal levels. Uh, and, and the second one would be, uh, even if the job is deemed done uh, and probably above 4% levels, it'll remain there for some time. So I think these two would be uh, uh, the, the main statements, uh, even if markets, I think, found joy in, in Bernard's allusion to uh, you know, a potential pivot some way down the road. We were just hearing the news as well that Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin are going to meet in person for the first time since the start of the war in Ukraine. Amidst all of what we're seeing with hawkish central banks, the, the downturn in the economy, how much does this just add to these pressures too? And I guess how concerned are you about a global downturn? I, I, I would be increasingly concerned for, for two reasons. One is uh, the geopolitical picture and, and, and even within China, the political uh, landscape is such that uh, uh, you know economic incentives are not topmost. Political incentives are, uh, 
uh, and and they come at, at the cost of of, of economic uh, recovery. So that's that's one. The other is insofar that uh, President Xi expresses uh, uh, you know uh, unchecked support for for Russia, uh, then the geopolitical situation could worsen. Uh, mm. Supply side shocks could uh, remain, and and that yeah. would lead us to a recession. Do we actually see China here significantly relaxing the dynamic zero policy after the Party Congress? I, so my, our suspicion is that they will discernibly uh, begin to relax, but I, I don't think it's going to be a distinct uh, one-off move. Rather, we, we think it would probably be quite phased uh, and, and over the course of at least the first half of, of next year. Uh, I mean, one reason is a, a sharp U-turn uh, would be uh, for the lack of a better term, a, a loss of faith, uh, given uh, how recently uh, President Xi has been doubling down on the, on the zero COVID policy. Uh, but uh, there, there is a sense uh, amongst those worried about the economy that uh, something needs to change. And, and, and so we think those changes will start taking place uh, late this year. When it comes to the currency, and this is something we're watching across Asia with this strong dollar, why is seven, you know, so significant? We know we're seeing very strong moves by the PBOC to try and rein in this weak currency, but there's also the thought that maybe they'll allow it to depreciate further in terms of, I guess, trying to guide some of these moves that you're seeing in the economy. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a good question. So there's certainly a, a somewhat uh, some dichotomy between uh, managing the renminbi on a trade-weighted basis versus, uh, you know, uh, being very wary of uh, psychological levels such as seven. Uh, and, and one reason for that could be, that, you know, we've seen, seen pretty sharp moves, not all entirely on the part of the renminbi, you know, partly driven by the dollar, but nevertheless, really sharp moves. And so there may be a fear uh, that, you know, getting past psychological levels could see a lot of speculative uh, interest piling in, leading to capital outflows, not unlike uh, 2015, 2016 type of uh, uh, you know China crisis sell-off. Uh, so I think preempting that with the, with that kind of a, a stitch in time attitude may be one reason. Uh, the other is even on a trade weighted basis, whilst it remains fairly elevated, uh, well above uh, the the 2017-2018 levels of, of the uh, renminbi uh, near. Uh, the the fact is that in the last three two to three months, the the renminbi has uh, uh, you know pulled back quite significantly from. Uh, even on trade-weighted le- uh, levels. So I, I think there is a, uh, a more distinct move to temper that, uh, mm. to perhaps put across the point that they're not totally hands-off. It's not just the one. You've got the one at this 13-year low. We saw a record for the peso yesterday. You've got the yen plunge, of course, as well at these 1998 levels. How much of a concern is it that we could see another Asian currency crisis? It is not in- insignificant. Uh, I-, I think, you know, uh, it depends on two things that take place. One is uh, really a, 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 a huge dollar wave, uh, bullish dollar wave, inconveniently raising uh, you know inflation risks, uh, thereby uh, compounding the the sell off, uh, and, and then feeding back into you know FX reserve cash burn. That is one thing that can set off a, a really bad spiral. I think, I think authorities are very worried about that. Uh, and the other is, is perhaps through uh, the credit channels, given that nations. Uh, across EMs, particularly in EMA, uh, you know, across EMs particularly, are, are more indebted after COVID. Uh, any negative uh, uh, credit uh, ripples uh, would also be uh, another huge concern. Uh, so really, this this bullish dollar strength uh, it will not be just taken as a byproduct of of a, a hawkish Fed. Uh, it it mm-hmm. has got macro stability implications. 
Let's talk about the Europe picture. I mean, we talked about the, the global recession worries, but yesterday you had the euro trying to get back to that parity level. But what are you expecting from the ECB? And if we do see this record 75 basis point hike, does that even help the euro that much? I think it'll boil down to uh, the rhetoric behind uh, what the ECB is doing. Uh, and and to, to your point, uh, e- even a, a slightly more hawkish rhetoric with the 75 basis point move may not be sufficient uh, for the euro to sustainably regain traction uh, because as the uh, you know energy shocks uh, become a bigger issue and, and fiscal strains grow, fragmentation risks also uh, start to become very accentuated. And, and under these conditions, uh, you know, ECB hikes may do very little uh, to restore confidence in the euro. About 20 seconds left. Where is, I guess, the, the best place to be amidst all this global economic downturn? Everyone's saying ASEAN. Is that right? Is it Singapore where we are? I think Singapore is uh, safe for now, but you know, a global recession will not spare Singapore. Uh, and a global recession means uh, very few safe places. Uh, so that's just how things uh, pan out, I suppose. All right, Vishnu, always great to chat to you. Vishnu Varathan, Head of Economics and Strategy at Mizuho Bank, on the line from Singapore for us here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers and innovators leading the way from design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions. July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.